there's this viral component right now where like translation, translation AI has never been more top of mind with the general public. And welcome everyone to Slater Pod. Hello, Esther. Hi, Florian. We are back after a super busy couple of weeks, right? Very busy. Very busy. In-person conferencing, traveling, you know, hosting. Working. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Juggling all the other stuff while we're, uh, while we're hosting 150 people here in Zurich. Today, we're going to talk a bit about our latest report, Translation AI, Practical Use Cases for LLMs. Um, talk a- briefly about how Ian Elamokadam, RWS's CEO, uh, what his thesis is that he laid out at SlaterCon, uh, intent to raise some money. You'll talk a bit about media localization, and then I'll close on AI dubbing, which is kind of similar type of space, right? Now, um, so we released a report called um, Translation AI uh, for lack of a, it's not a, it's not, not for lack of a better term, but it's actually, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's an appropriate title. So Slater Pro Guide Translation AI. Subtitle was 10 Practical Applications of Large Language Models for the Translation and Localization Industry. So after all this kind of macro discussion, we wanted to summarize what we're seeing out there in terms of how you can actually deploy these models in reality, in practice, as opposed to, you know, trying to unpack some of these uh, 100-page research papers and all the kind of also try to cut through all the PR stuff that's out there. So we listed uh, 10 practical use cases. It's available on the website, you know, we have things like, obviously, first one use case would be perform machine translation. We have machine translation quality estimation, which is a really fast rising use case, uh, you know, make target text SEO f- friendly, generate multiple target versions. I mean, go uh, get the report. It's uh, uh, incredibly useful. It's also uh, a lot of people are asking for it. And yeah, uh, great, great piece of work by, by the research team. So Slatercom, what was your... Uh, I don't know, not initial impression, but like looking back, you know, it's been almost 10 days. So what was your, how did you, how do you feel about the event? I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Obviously our first in-person event since 2019. So slight, somewhat disrupted by the pandemic in the interim. Um, but no, great to get together. I think, you know, a really interesting set of people. I mean, 150 people, there was lots of networking. I myself had a lot of interesting conversations and then you know, good content, good solid content as well across across the uh, speaker lineup. So obviously my favorite was uh, the investor panel <laughs> that I hosted. Um, but, you know, some really great, um, great content really throughout the day. The investor panel really closed the day in a very interesting way. I mean, it was very heavy on kind of the practical translation AI a uh, large language model, implications, use cases. Uh, we also had uh, John Linder from, uh, you know, f- looking at it from the accessibility point of view, et cetera, but then closing it on this kind of very succinct, okay, so now that you're an investor, where do you put your where do you put your money? How do you see the future? And, and also with the two investors being kind of industry outsiders, of course, they're invested in the industry, but they're looking at it from an outside perspective. I think it, it really closed the conference in a very, yeah, very interesting way. So we did have, uh, as you mentioned, 150 uh, people sold out like four weeks ahead of time. I kept joking or trying to make a joke at the uh, at the conference that like it's you know it's 
okay if you sell out a week ahead. It's not that great if you sell out five five weeks ahead, but it uh, looks like we could have gotten a bigger venue. Maybe, uh, you know, when we do a repeat, we'll we'll get something in a more 200 and 250 people range. Lots happening. I mean, this is a conference uh, season now, conference fall, lots of uh, lots of conference going on. Last week was Lockworld. You know, there's, there's lots of other uh, things coming up, but uh, yeah, it looks like the appetite's definitely there. I think the mood was overall very positive, but of course there was an incredible appetite to understand where things are heading. I think a lot of people looking for answers, you know? I was put on the spot uh, <laughs> on stage, like, so what do we do now? I'm like, all right, okay. Went in with like a macro answer. And then like, she's like, that was a good answer, but not a great answer. I'm like, not great. I'm like, okay, let me rephrase. So here is a more practical answer, but um, yeah, uh, it's good, good to be challenged uh, on stage. Now that's on the conference side that we also actually had our uh, team meetup, you know, gathered uh, 15 people from Slater, went up to a mountain. On a train, I have to add, which I think was definitely a better call than having us hike five hours up the mountain. <laughs> yeah, we could have hiked up or down. Uh, that, yeah, it, I think I looked it up. It would have been about a four to five hour hike from the lake up to 2,100 meters. I don't know, what's that, like 6,000 something feet? Uh, yeah, you know, incredible, incredible views, incredible um, uh, kind of, you know, meeting facilities, et cetera. So we got together with the team, of course, had our uh, most recent hire, senior researcher, uh, Alex Edwards, join and, you know, kind of uh, share a bit his perspective on what we do from the outside. So, um, so yeah, very, uh, very interesting, very inspiring to get to, to meet the people because we're a remote first company. And uh, yeah, very, very good to meet everybody in person. Now, also very good to meet uh, was uh, Ianel Mokadem, the CEO of RWS, you know, the one of the leading uh, language service providers, language technology providers, you know, uh, result of a number of mergers. You know, we had, uh, of course, Moravia and then SDL. So this is, you know, uh, definitely top two, top three super agencies in the world. He gave a very kind of you know open and honest overview. I have to say, in his uh, keynote at SlaterCon, um, you know, he said he speaks to investors all the time. He kind of needs to show that he's aware of the challenges that all this AI uh, kind of disruption now is bringing, but also present like the conviction that they have in the future of the business, which we, of course, all have also at Slater and the industry at large. He also said it's kind of a unique opportunity right now to position RWS and also the entire industry as kind of the expert in the enterprise content lifecycle. And I can't stress this enough. I really do think now is a pivotal moment for everybody to make sure that we as industry experts do position uh, ourselves as these experts. There's so many more people coming in with a lot less sophisticated approaches to things. And I think we, we can really be uh, there for, for clients to help. I also liked how he closed, it was kind of a nice, uh, yeah, kind of a tagline, right? Bye translators and hello language specialists. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. So kind of obviously meant uh, with, with this respect for, uh, for the linguists here, the experts in the loop as we're trying to, trying to uh, kind of reposition uh, the, the translators and the linguists here. Yeah, as language specialists. So... Yeah, uh, overall, super interesting presentation. Also, I think a few days afterwards, they announced that uh, kind of a bit of a, a board changes. You know, Andrew Brody, the uh, you know one of the biggest shareholders and um, uh, former chairman of RWS is stepping back. And he's, he's staying on the board, but I, I don't think he's no longer going to be chairman. Now, if you look back at, it must have been, I don't know when, when he kind of 
bought into RWS, but it must have been more than a decade, one and a half decades. I mean, what a buy and build strategy, right? I mean, we must have covered about 10 acquisitions by RWS and took them from, when we started Slater in like 2016, um, 15, like from a fairly kind of obscure patent translation company to now like a top two, top three super agency in the world on, you know, very well executed buy and build. So yeah, now uh, stepping back, no longer chairman. And of course, a very, uh, very good team there with, with Ian and, and his executive team. All right. So very briefly, also, I did share um, kind of that was part of my presentation that like translation is having a viral moment. I mean, has it has all this stuff like shown up on your timeline on LinkedIn or Twitter or, or whatever X uh, already as well? Or is it, is it just my bubble here? No, there's there's certainly a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think not obviously social media. Yes. And the, sort of the, the things that you're following. But I think also just circulating in, you know, wider conversation as well. The one that really blew up on my timeline was this kind of hey gen lip sync dubbing uh, test. So there was this, you know, marginally large account. I mean, I think it's 10, 20,000 followers on X. And he did like a kind of a selfie experiment where he like just kind of filled himself speaking for like one or two minutes, um, uploaded it to a tool called hey gen, had it lip synced and translated, so translated and then lip synced accordingly. And then, you know, uh, did it for French and German, kind of fairly basic uh, dialogue, but like just they've got like 10 million views and just a lot of traffic. And then Hey Gen's website, they basically exploded and they had like an ex a queue of people um, of like 150,000 that they were trying to do the same. So, you know, basically um, had their uh, break their system and break their AWS bill. But Long story short, very busy space right now. You know, we had Mars on the podcast, you know, you had Hey Gen, you have on, on the enterprise side, Deep Dub, you know, for Hollywood. So kind of uh, there's this viral component right now where like translation, translation AI has never been more top of mind with the general public. Uh, and it's it's very interesting uh, just from a, yeah, from an insider's point of view, of course. Now... There was a also what we noted at the at, at SlaterCon is that there's a, a a big slowdown in VC funding. Now, let's not unpack this right now, but there's there's various uh, factors that that are you know contributing to this. But one company that managed to raise uh, what they call a Series A, although they, they did raise a number of uh, previous times, but now it's a Series A is Intento. So tell us more about that, Esther. Well, yeah. So I think a uh, good lead in. Intento, uh, many in the industry will be familiar with a machine translation uh, company. And they're now describing themselves as machine translation and multilingual generative AI platform um, for global enterprises. So they have announced uh, Series A funding of $8 million. Um, so, yeah, nice, uh, nice wedge <laughs> for, for MT and for generative AI there. Yeah, let's unpack it. I mean, also, it's so interesting that, like, we also kept talking at the conference about, on the one hand, you have, like, this industry that's apparently being put under a lot of pressure by AI, like the broader language services industry, right? If you look at it from the outside, right? Uh, and then you have this massive AI boom on the other side. And I think Intento is sitting kind of in the middle here. Like on the one hand, they're perceived as, uh, you know, 
basically wedded to the localization, translation, machine translation industry. On the other hand, of course, they're very early adopters of all these large language models. They've built enterprise workflows that that people can use. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, looks like they've convinced some investors to to fund that. Not looks like. I mean, they did convince some some investors to fund that um, that Series A with eight million dollars, which you know then obviously they're going to use for building. Interesting statement they put in a press release. Uh, they said that Somersault Ventures, one of the VCs that, that was in there, said that Transler, uh, translation services and technologies is a crowded space for investors. But, you know, that's why they're, um, there's other factors why they like uh, how Intento, they're saying Intento is building a truly unique product uh, with a forward-looking approach to press uh, uh, to address what uh, large enterprises need. So... Interesting to hear from an investor that they're thinking that translation services and technologies is a crowded space for investors. Um, yeah, I guess you could argue about that. There's more room, I suppose, but you know, obviously, people are selective with who and when they invest. So, I mean, in terms of the sizes of these rounds, I mean, we just had Writer.com, Writer, like to write, uh, yeah, Writer. Um, raise what a hundred million dollars. So and that was not for translation. That was just for, you know, generative AI content creation. So anyway, uh, congratulations to Constantine and the team to this round and uh looking forward to seeing what they're gonna build. Uh on a less positive note, tell us more about Zoo's uh struggles with strikes and losses and everything. Yeah, I think we've spoken about this um company and also this particular sort of trend um, a few times, including in editorial coverage. Um, but Zoo Digital, which is the UK-based uh, media localization provider um, listed in, in the UK, um, they have come out saying that they're now expecting a significant EBITDA loss um, in H1, the first half. Um, so they've got a calendar year that runs, I think, end March to March. Um, so the first six months is, is going to close or has closed at the end of uh, September 2023. But obviously it takes a little bit of time to kind of close up all the accounts and then report it. Um, but they have warned um, investors of significant EBITDA loss. And they say that this is linked to strikes in in Hollywood, um, which, again, we've, we've spoken about uh, many times, um, but now it seems to be actually having a kind of tangible impact, um, at least on, on Zoo, um, Zoo's financial performance. Um, so as a result, I mean, shortly after the announcement, um, you know, you can look at the share price of uh, listed companies and Zoo's share price fell 20% um, overall since the beginning um, of its own uh, financial year. So I think since April, it's the shares have fallen by about 80% or around 80%. Um, it's sort of strange timing because on the one hand, Zoo has, has also just reported or kind of closed out its full year, um, which ended, like I said, in the end of March 2023. So in, in that year, um, which obviously would have sort of taken into account a lot of 2022 calendar year, um, they had really good growth, um, posted something, I think it was like 95 million US dollars was their full year revenues. Um, and then also um, when we look at what's happening with the strikes, which obviously is, is the the event or the, the situation that they're sort of um, uh, attributing a lot of the, the upset to, the Writers Guild of America has just, uh, the leadership has just voted to end the strike in Hollywood. 
uh, I think a couple of week, weeks back now. So on the one hand, they're coming off, you know, a really solid full year of growth. Uh, on the other hand, you know, things are starting to look up in the debate or strikes in Hollywood. Um, but then obviously, uh, as they're saying, the the effect has been a significant short term impact. Um, and then there's also the Screen Actors Guild. So writers, I think, seems to be mostly resolved now, but the Screen Actors Guild's are, strikes are still ongoing. Zoo's expecting significant short-term impact, um, and the chairman was saying that orders in the first half have been and continue to be at historically low levels. Um, and she went on to say, H1 first half revenues are expected to be approximately 21 million US dollars, which I think last year in their first half it was 51 million so this is basically sliced their revenues by more than half um, and as a result uh, significant EBITDA loss for the first half of um, the current financial year um, which would have been I think 20 are we in the 20 we must be in the 2024 financial year for them I can't quite remember <laughs> which uh, which way it works but I think this is H124 Bit of a black swan, huh? With those strikes, who would have thought? Um, double whammy, you know. Basically, you get COVID, and then backlog, and then boom, and now, yeah, writer and um, <laughs> an actor strike. Hopefully for Zoo, and also I suppose for this is an indicator of you know not just for Zoo, but also for other media localization companies. Um, I mean, hopefully the the impact of particularly the strikes um, won't won't be lasting and will be will be resolved. Um, and in the meantime, you know, Zoo is continuing to expand. Um, so it announced recently that it was expanding its investment in Zoo Turkey. So people might remember that back in November 2021, Zoo did an initial um, strategic investment in a company called Ares Media, um, which was then rebranded to Zoo Turkey. Um, so they have now done a an additional strategic investment uh, in that in that company, um, and also it was not just Zoo Turkey, but I think they opened India, South Korea, another of uh, a number of other international hubs um, as part of that kind of international expansion plan. Also, into English dubbing, you know, like Turkey, South Korea, a lot of content production happening in in those markets. So. They're probably not doing the inter-English dubbing in those particular hubs, though. They're probably, yeah, leveraging the demand for local content in those markets, right? Yeah, all right, scratch that comment. <laughs> no, 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 but it's still it's still a relevant trend. Though markets, those markets are fueling demand for inter-English dubbing. That is that is very true, and I'm sure Zoo being you know UK based is also hope, hoping at least to capitalize on, on some of that demand. Now, one company that kind of sits in the in the middle, like not on the like Hollywood spectrum, I guess, just yet, but still in that multimedia space is uh, XLA. And uh, actually, the their chief revenue officer uh, joined us at, at SlaterCon, actually did an interview. We should be uploading it on YouTube any, any day now. Uh, Josh Pine, that is the CRO. We also had Tim Young on the podcast. Last year. Last year, yeah. So, yeah, tell us. They, they actually managed to raise a $7.5 million Series A. So that's uh, $500,000 less, $500, less than Intento. <laughs> Half a million, yeah, less. Yeah, if, if there was a competition. Um, 
they, I mean, this was actually a while ago. I think it's only in September that they decided to disclose um, that they raised that amount of money. Um, so I think the round, what they told us was that it actually closed in May 2023, which was just before or shortly before they acquired um, a transcription and translation provider called AHT. Um, you might remember our coverage of that. They should tell us in, in May. They should have told us in May. Why keep this a secret? Ideally, yeah, they would have told us in May, but we covered it um, recently. Um, so total funds raised for XL8 now um, is 11.5 million uh, US dollars um, after that. Like you said, Florian, $7.5 million raise back in May. Um, and they shared the valuation. Um, according to Tim, the CEO, the round valued XL8 at around $60 million US dollars. Oh, they did. $60 million? Nice. They haven't released anything around, um, you know, obviously profitability or uh, revenues because people don't tend no profitability. to like to Series to A, you shouldn't be profitable, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay, well, revenues, they haven't shared anything of, on that specifically, but they have said um, interest in XLA this year has been off the charts, was the comment. Um, and I mean, uh, he also added, this is Tim, that in 2023, there's been a, a realization that AI has to be integrated into the modern lo localization workflow. Um, so I think, you know, very much a theme that, that we're seeing here. Um and in terms of what they're going to do with the money, they will continue to enhance the product offerings, um, including leveraging generative AI and plan to expand further internationally. Um, so they've got currently these two main products, which are MediaCat, which is an AI media localization sort of workflow system and EventCat, which is remote simultaneous interpreting for events. You know who else? has come to the realization that AI has to be integrated into the modern localization workflow? Adobe. Oh, Adobe, cool. <laughs> Adobe, yeah. So we picked up on a press release and we're gonna dig into this a bit further, but this is just uh, like your our, our hot take here. So Adobe released something called a sneak showcase. They, uh, at their conference, they uh, released so-called 11 inventions that are featured in Adobe's annual sneaks showcase where Adobe engineers and research scientists offer first looks or sneak peeks at prototype ideas and technologies, each showing future, future potential to become important elements of Adobe products, blah, 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 blah. Now, uh, under the video and audio um, showcases, one is called Project, wait for it, Dub Dub Dub. So three dubs. Yeah, not just Dub Dub, because, you know, Dub Dub's taken. Now... You go dub dub dub. <laughs> if I was dub dub, and there's dub dub AI, right? Uh, I think company based in India. Now Adobe's come out with dub dub dub. Maybe tomorrow it's going to be Google dub 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 dub. So uh, yeah, basically saying that uh, dub 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 automates the video dubbing process, uh, making a historically labor and cost intensive process as easy as clicking a button, yada yada yada. So more AI dubbing, but this time obviously from one of the biggest tech companies in the world, Adobe, and kind of just goes to show how deeply embedded these types of language AI technologies are now becoming, right? And uh, I mean, this is kind of a mix between video and audio and language and translation and lip sync and everything. But, you know, if Adobe feels that this is a good feature to... Um, 
go after, um, then they're not going to be alone. There's going to be others. And I wonder who's going to win that race, right? So there's kind of the more dedicated startups, there's the big companies, there's the Hollywood focused ones, then there's, uh, yeah, the tech giants that are just use this as a feature in their overall product line. So incredibly interesting, the AI dubbing space, and we'll be digging into this uh, a lot more. But for now, dub, dub, dub. Let's see if it ever sees the light of day and uh, in, in some type of Adobe application. All right, that was it for today's Brief News Podcast. Thanks so much for listening in and uh, see you next time. Thanks, bye.